0: You are listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network.
1: Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed. Hi,
0: this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 125. Today's reading
1: is from Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 11. At that time the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin... It would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world for temptations to sin, for it is necessary that temptations come, but woe to the man by whom the temptation comes. And if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into the Gehenna of fire. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels always behold the face of my Father who is in heaven. For the Son of Man came to save the lost. Father, let's begin today with verses 3 and 4 where Jesus says, quote, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So Father, how do we humble ourselves like a child, as Jesus said, in a world where
0: pride and vanity are rampant? Well, I think the first thing we need to do is to set the stage for why Jesus uses a child And the reason for that is a child in his time in the Roman Empire was entirely powerless. Children didn't have rights and protections like they do today in our societies. And I think people don't really recognize how different it was for them than it is for children today. So in a Roman household, the patrician would adopt children as his own, as his heirs, or he would not adopt them and make them into slaves. And the patrician would do this even with his biological children. So if he believed the child had some sort of defect or was not worthy, then the child would be put with the slave children, and vice versa. If he liked a slave child for whatever reason, he might adopt that child as his own. So this is obviously quite different from our own society. And then finally, I want to point out that it was not uncommon for Roman men to have relationships with children that today would be considered to be sexually abusive. And I'm sorry to be know, so open and frank about this, but I just don't think we can fully appreciate Scripture and what it does and how it has changed the trajectory of Western civilization unless we understand these realities. But it was quite common in Roman society for older men to have sexual relations with young boys who were still children. And these men, they weren't even considered to be gay when they did this and likely still had a wife. But in any case, I want to highlight all of this to show how weak and vulnerable children were at the time of Christ, because if we don't understand this, it means that we cannot fully understand what Christ is doing here in this text and what Scripture as a whole is teaching us. Yeah, very important. I
1: think that historical context is, is, uh, is, is so important. And you note, it is important for us to understand what Christ is doing here, so how is that so?
0: Well, remember the introduction to this story that Matthew gives us. He said the disciples were asking Jesus, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? So who is the greatest? Well, Jesus tells them. Take a look at this young lad. Take a look at this young child who has no rights, who's physically weak, who's subject to be cast out of his parents' household and to be made a slave, who can basically be abused at the will of an older man. This kid, he's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And see, we're used to hearing this story and others like it, that we have a tendency, I believe, to just hear them and, and say, you know, well, that's, you know, it's, it's a nice story about this young child. But in reality, this is complete insanity in the minds of the disciples and in the minds of the original scriptural hearer. I mean, really, the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is this young, weak child who can be made into a slave and abused. He's going to be the greatest. It's just unthinkable in the mind of the original hearer, yet it fits into this consistent biblical pattern of God favoring the weaker and the despised.
1: Very good. Uh, Appreciate the context again there, Father. So bring us back to the original question on these verses. How do we humble ourselves like a child in a world where pride and vanity are rampant?
0: Yeah, definitely not easy because societies are generally set up to reward pride and vanity, and it's why the gospel is always counter Cultural, But the way to humble ourselves is to constantly read or listen to scripture, to be constantly reminded that God favors the weak, the needy, the despised, to spend our time helping people who are in those situations as Jesus did, and to remember the biblical teaching that we are all saved by grace, that all of us have fallen short, that none of us is worthy of God, but that he has accepted us on the basis of his own love and grace and forgiveness, and that what he asks in return is that we share that love and that grace and that forgiveness with others who need it. If we truly do these things and remind ourselves to keep this mindset, then we cannot help but become more humble and to despise pride and vanity.
1: Thanks for that advice, Father. Now, moving on to today's passage, we hear later in verse 6, Jesus giving a harsh warning, quote, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened round his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Father, why is this
0: so serious, and how can we avoid it? Yeah, it's serious because, again, this young child is weak and powerless. The child is completely disenfranchised. But in addition to that— you also have the notion of the child as sort of a blank slate, for lack of a better term. A child can obviously be trained and raised in a certain way. You can train the child to live according to the gospel, or you can train the child to live in ways that oppose it. So I think these two things put together help us to understand why Jesus is so serious and, as you said, so harsh here. Now, one thing I do want to point out also is that many interpreters also understand the child to be a stand-in For the Gentiles and the Gentiles were of course despised by many of the pious Jews of Jesus' time and they had no standing, no voice, no role or place in the temple worship unless of course they became circumcised. So in any case uh, whether you read this passage on a more literal level of dealing with a child, or whether you understand it, to also be speaking about the Gentiles, the point remains, and it's consistent with one of the most important biblical themes that we see running throughout uh, the Bible from Genesis through Revelation, that God systematically sides with the weak, the powerless, and the disenfranchised. So to conclude today, I want to touch on some of the more graphic language
1: that's employed in verses 8 and 9. Jesus says, quote, And if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into the Gehenna of fire.
0: Father, would you uh, distill these verses for us? Sure. I I think most of us recognize that Jesus is speaking figuratively here and not literally, but it's interesting to note there are actually canon laws in our church that forbid people from physically maiming themselves to avoid sin. So what that tells us is that some people throughout history actually took these sayings of Jesus literally to the extent that they did harm themselves, and of course— We recognize Jesus himself was crucified. We also honor and venerate many martyrs throughout the ages. So we recognize sometimes people do suffer physically because of their faith. But the difference is that Jesus didn't crucify himself and the martyrs didn't kill themselves. These cases of physical harm were enforced on them by outsiders because they refused to budge in their faith. But for those of us who do not face that, the scriptures and the church clearly teach that we respect the physical body and that we do not engage in any form of self-harm just as physically harming someone else is harming a person made in the image of God so is harming ourselves so Jesus is using this language here to show that we need to remove any obstacles in our way of following him we need to be showing the utmost seriousness to that matter of following Christ and living out the faith and the teaching he imparted to us. And that's why Jesus speaks so seriously here to show that following his teaching should be the absolute most important aspect of our lives. Thank you,
1: Father. Our episode began with Father Aaron reminding us that in the Roman Empire, children did not have rights and protections like they do today in our society. And so in verses 3 and 4 from today's reading, we can better understand why Jesus urges his hearers to become like children, While unthinkable to Jesus' original audience, the truth is that the greatest in the kingdom of heaven are those who have humbled themselves before God like children. And this fits into the consistent biblical pattern of God favoring the weak and the despised. So how do we humble ourselves in a world full of pride and vanity? We must frequently read scripture to remind ourselves that God favors the weak. We must spend time helping people who are needy and despised. And we must remember the biblical teaching that we are saved by grace, because all of us have fallen short. We then concluded by discussing the meaning of Jesus' words in verses 8 and 9, where Jesus speaks figuratively about cutting off our hand if it causes us to sin. Here, Father Aaron explained that Jesus is exhorting us to remove any obstacles that impede us from following him. And in so doing, we will make following his teaching the most important aspect of our lives.
0: Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode.
1: Alleluia, 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 glory to Thee, oh God. Alleluia, Alleluia, alleluia
0: Glory. To